All right, everybody. Hi, everybody. Um, well, let's get started. I, well, actually, uh, do we hand around the, the pouch first? Or how do we do that? Or the, the, not the pouch. The basket. Oh, man, I dropped my pastor chat notes. That's right, I'm not used to teaching adults here, so... Well, uh, we're not. Hello, world. That was uh, that, those were my notes from last Wednesday pastor chats, where a voice came out of nowhere saying, "Hello, world. Hello, stars." All right, hey, we're gonna pray now. I don't did uh, Pastor Bukes. We uh, he just exchanged his uh, teaching line, outline with me. From last week, so on the front of it was prayers for Pastor Bruzek. Did we pray for Pastor Bruzek? Because if we didn't, we should. We're going to. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to pray. Yeah, it's good. Almighty God, your son Jesus Christ gave to his holy apostles many excellent gifts and commanded them earnestly to feed his flock. Renew all pastors by the Holy Spirit, especially Scott, to diligently preach your word and distribute your holy sacraments. Help them to remain faithful to you and the office of the holy ministry, that together with your faithful people they may receive the crown of everlasting glory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. All right, turn to Genesis chapter 4. We're going to be doing Cain and Abel. At least, you know, if it sounds like I don't know what I'm talking about or I'm doing things that are not quite right, let's just roll with it, all right? So Genesis chapter 4 is Cain and Abel. Now, we're going to just read, we're going to read it. And Cain and Abel is not one of those stories you sit down with your kids and like sit and read over and over again. I mean, at least I don't. Parents, any other parents in here, do you remember consciously making a a point to uh, read Cain and Abel to your children over and over again? No, I don't think so. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm sure everyone remembers, kind of remembers the details of the story, but I think it's probably fun to actually read, read it. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord, which, you know, I love Eve's little, it kind of sounds like, you know, I got a man. Does anybody know? Hopefully... Hopefully some of us know what that means. Yep. R&B from the 90s. Okay. I know. She's, yeah. Okay. I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord regard for Abel and his offering, had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you so angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. 
Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Which, I'm going to push it back a little while. You know, for, for us even older people, we remember East of Eden, right? One of the great films out there. Well, okay. We're not going to get into argument about what's better, books or movies. There's apples and oranges. We can like them both. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. To Enoch was born, well, we've got a bunch of fun names, and we will stop at Enoch. Well, yeah, we should skip down to verse 25, sorry. Well, can I finish reading first, Marilyn? I don't know. Are you, are you, are you in charge here or what? And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth, for she said, God has appointed for me another offering instead of Abel. For Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. And at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Okay, Karen! Are we going to debate movies and books right now? No. Okay, good. I don't know how to ask this, though. All right, go ahead. I don't know how to answer it, though. He knew his wife. Yeah. But where, where we just started, there was just Adam and Eve, and then it came to Abel, and um, where did... Where did all the people come from that he married? I don't know. <laughs> Is that okay to answer? I don't know. No. Oh. Well, that's what the Bible says, so take it up with the Lord. Actually, Karen, this is, this is a good segue, actually, because uh, people from the beginning of time have, have uh, had a problem with this story on many levels. One of them, I think that's a more recent problem, but a lot of the other problems that people have had are, like, I just listed some questions there. One of the questions I did not list, where did Cain, you know, who did Cain marry and all that? Uh, because it's, kinda, it's not really pertinent to the story, necessarily. Uh, like, where it came. The fact that he got married, well, that's a different question. Okay. But people have wondered about this from the beginning of time because there's not a lot of details. And if you go into some of the old Jewish writings, interpretations of rabbis, the Targums, you have people just filling in all different kinds of details. Like the conversation between Cain and Abel, you know, where it says Cain spoke to Abel. Some, some uh, uh, people have a whole conversation, actually about justice and mercy. 
other people have filled in the dots because uh, Cain, of course, if God did not uh, look uh, uh, with favor upon his sacrifice, of course, then there must have been something wrong with Cain or the sacrifice itself. And how you explain what's wrong with Cain is, well, who's the only bad guy right now in this story? Think about it. Who's the only bad guy? Satan. So, of course, Satan is in this story somehow, but people have made him more explicit. In fact, some people have said, oh, Cain's got to be, you know, friends with Satan. Uh, Anyways, so the whole point is, is as we start filling in the gaps, there's a great danger. We start focusing on things that are not important, and also we actually make stuff up. The thing is, though, is that it's very helpful for us to sit in tension, be uncomfortable with the gaps, and in the gaps themselves are actually meaning. And we'll actually get that from the name Abel itself, but we had a question over here somewhere. Yeah, Kathy. Well, it doesn't say that this was their first child. Okay, yep, sure. Hey. We're not going to be able to answer that question. Yeah, I just was going to say, I don't know where it came from. Could have been a sister. Could have been. I mean, there's no time necessarily lapsed, but it, I mean, it, I mean, back then things were different, right? So you know, we might be grossed out by, you know, that Mary and his sister, but apparently, I don't know. Back then, they they weren't grossed out by that. All right, but the whole point is though, is that. The main thrust of the story is the main thrust of the story about who Cain married. No. So we're not going to major in the minors this morning. We're going to major in the majors. Carol. Well, I don't know if this is a major or a minor. Or well, that's okay. I, I, we can answer the question, but it might be a short answer. It's, it's, it's an observation that I... Yeah, right. The oh, good job. Cursed, yeah, so we actually find out in this, oh, by the way, this outline is not sequential. I told John Crow, I said, listen, uh, you're going to, he helped me print this this morning. It's like a, like a string of pearls, okay? You, you can turn that necklace around, front, backwards, it's all the same, it's good. So, so we're going we're gonna to probably poke around, and since Carol brought this up, we're going to poke on that. All right. So the, the ground was cursed twice. Well, already we have a connection with the story that just happened. And in fact, how is the story actually not separate from the previous story? Obviously the relations. But even in some of the... Carol, Carol just brought this up. It's cursed. Well, there's an actor who's not specifically named both of them. Who's that? Yeah, right. He's still, he, he, it, it, you know, when God cursed Satan, a lot of us think, hey, you know, he probably went, ran away. Maybe, I don't know, slithered away. But this story reveals Satan has not gone very far. In fact, how close is he? He's at the door. That's exactly right. So Satan is very close in this story. And what the, the old Jewish rabbis, well, since he's close, he's pro- he probably was talking to Cain. So there are actually some uh, things have this little conversation between Satan and Cain. And Satan succumbs to uh, Satan's discussion, just like Eve and Adam. The other thing, too, though, is uh, the word sin. 
Now, using the word sin, only the word sin, I, I, I think I maybe asked the question in outline, what's the original sin? Well, it's actually murder. This is the first time it's, the word sin is used. God doesn't actually say to have any of you sinned. It's, it's here where the word sin is. And the only reason I bring that up is because now we see the, 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 uh, the outgrowth of the ramifications of what Adam and Eve have done. Okay? So what we find out is that when Adam and Eve are, the, that communion is broken with God, this has consequences that are very severe and serious. It's not like, you know, I just go home and feel bad about myself being a sinner. It means I kill people. That's what it means. And we actually find that out. Why, why is that a true statement, that I actually kill somebody? Think about it in very concrete forms. Who is everyone in this room killed? We've all killed the same person, actually. Jesus! That's right. So, um, what we don't understand is that the break of the communion of God has resulted in a murder, in real violence, tragic violence. But the fact that you were born 2,000 years after Christ does not make you innocent of his crucifixion. All right, so this is very, this is very real in this story of Cain and Abel, is that that sin that's happened in the garden, yes, it is the original sin, is, uh, has ramifications of a death of a person. And that, in fact, then is very applicable to our own life when we have sinned against God. Well, how does that manifest itself? It manifests itself, not offending God, but actually murdering his son. Okay, so it's already 10.15, and, you know, man, hopefully this day gets better. Well, we're, we're murderers now. Okay, so that's, that's fun. Okay. Now, um, yeah, there's a... Uh, okay, so the, the other thing, though, is... Well, I already mentioned all that stuff. Uh, the other thing now, back to Cain and Abel and the character of Cain and Abel, is that some, some of you probably remember, in the New Testament, Cain is, is labeled what? Or um, Abel is labeled what? He is the what? It's in Hebrews 11.4. He's righteous. He's the righteous one. And um, uh, Cain, of course, is, is the uh, evil one. Now, when we see those uh, categories, we often say, well, Cain is, was evil because he murdered. And Abel, I mean, Cain, if I mix up the names, just let me know. Cain is, is uh, evil because of his murder. That's right. But our human nature is to say Abel is righteous because of what? His off well go yeah so Dave you did a good job uh, his offering is received so the emphasis on Abel's righteousness is not in the offering itself but in the fact that God received it the righteousness of Abel is somebody else's righteousness not his own so a lot of the earlier interpre- interpreters of this have a struggle with this Cain and Abel story because. Well, there must have been something to the offerings themselves. Well, Abel's was received because, well, I think I wrote a bunch of them down, right? Um, well, yeah, shepherds were better than farmers. That was somebody who said, well, of course, because who was a shepherd? 
Jesus. So, of course, it was better. Almost close. Animal offerings are better than grain offerings. That actually, in the Old Testament, makes no sense, right? Because for those of us who spend a lot of time studying Leviticus, which I'm sure everybody goes home and reads to your children again, along with the Cain and Abel story, uh, we realize that Cain, the, there's grain offerings and uh, animal offerings, and they all ha- are, are equal in terms of their validity. They just serve different purposes. Uh, bloody gifts are better than bloodless sacrifices. Look at that. I even unconsciously did something right there. Uh, the ground was cursed and animals weren't. Oh. Firstlings and first fruits. Did uh, anybody notice that? Abel brought his, like the first ones. Cain, it, it does not make it explicit. But I like to speculate just like everybody else. So I think about it. When that first, uh, when my first cucumber comes up, I'm super excited about it, but it's not always the best one. So. Another thing is, is if we go go by the offering itself, right? Cain's uh, should have been accepted because he was the one that was tilling the earth and keeping it as uh, man was charged in the original story. That's right. Exactly. So. Uh, and this is such a this good, good good point. This is the this is great great observation, is that Cain is doing what his father is doing, what his father was told by God to do. Right, be a worker, and plus, of course, Jesus at the tomb is mistaken for a gardener. So so there is something going on here in this story that uh, is important for us to realize is that the wor- the the things themselves are described in Scripture as gifts. These are gifts. Even the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, already makes an interpretation and calls Cain's sacrifices and Abel's gifts, which is actually not what the Hebrew is. The Hebrew has the same word for both. And so as kind of a a third-party observer, when we observe these things, we say, hey, they're just as valid or, you know, as we kind of just tend to think in terms of qualitative terms, they are just as good. All right. So, however, God favors one over the other for no apparent purpose. All right. Now, what do we usually call that when God favors somebody or favors you for no apparent purpose? Let's make it personal. What do we call that? Grace. That's right. So, if grace is the characteristic of God's reaction, that changes how we understand when God talks to Cain. Because what? Is, so, you know, God says, "Oh, hey, you know, Cain's, Cain's angry; his face fell." So, what is Cain actually doing now? Think about it image-wise. Well, yeah, he's yeah, he's you know. He's keeping his eyes down. Well, of course, when you keep your eyes down, who, you're not, who are you not looking at? God. So, yeah, he's sulking. He's, you know, he's turned in on himself. Okay. So God, God, in his grace, says to Cain, Hey, what, you know, why, why, why so sad? Here you go. Do this. Be like this. 
Now, what does Cain have to do in order to do that? Is that hard for him? Is that, is that something, what would we call that in New Testament terms? What is God petitioning Cain to do? Yeah, repent, ask for forgiveness. What do we call that when we say repent and believe in the, the gospel and Jesus Christ? Yeah, so God is actually presenting Cain with the gospel. <laughs> um, it's not like, hey, Cain, I know you tried your best. Okay, try a little harder. Okay. Now, the reason why Cain... Now, so Cain's uh, reaction is anger and, uh, you know, self-centeredness. And when God says, hey, repent, believe in the gospel. So what is Cain's response to God's grace? Well, it's rejection. But what, what's his initial reaction? Like, literally speaking... What? Well, even before he kills his brother. He talks to him. What in the world is going on there? What is he talking about? Yeah. Well, this is, this is one of the interesting things. Is I have no idea what he says. That is, that, Karen, that, that's probably, uh, I'm as most interested in that question. I actually am interested in your question, by the way, before earlier. About... Um, that, that's my first question, though. That's, I, can't, I can't get to the second one until the first one's answered. Is like, what in the world is Cain talking to Abel about? Man, holy smokes. Is he uh, saying, hey, you know what? Because they go back in the field together. I mean, who knows? Maybe he's like, hey, you know what? Can you show me how to do that? Uh, if you look at artwork, the, uh, the, uh, you see certain images of that, like where... They're in a field, and they have some altar there, and then Abel's, like, dead next to it. And for some reason, uh, he's, ki- well, he's killed with a jawbone in a lot of artwork. Now, there's a re- variety of reasons why. Why would he be killed with a jawbone? Where would he get the jawbone from? Yeah, from the sacrifice itself, yeah. Which is... Uh, a complete inversion of the story, right? Sacrifice is supposed to save, and it kills, and that just kind of throws everything all, all out of whack. Okay. Uh, oh, okay, so Cain is talking to Abel. Who knows about what? But when uh, the word Abel uh, means, like, nothing. It means nothing or a vapor. It's, it's nothing. This is important in the, in the Old Testament is names are never just names. My name's Marcus. My parents did not sit down and say, this child is going to be a strong one like Hammer. (laughs) He is Marcus. Okay? My parents named me after my uncle named Mark. They didn't want to name me Mark, so they found a name that's, you know, a derivative. Well, I think Mark is derivative of Marcus. But anyways, you know, that's how they chose the name. And in the Old Testament, that's, ne- that's never the case. The name, uh, the meaning of the name, or the character of the person go- goes along with the name. So, Cain and Abel. So what do we know about Cain, then, from the name? Well, I'm assuming someone has a study Bible there, right? Because I think it's in the study note. But Eve actually says what the name means. Uh, I, I, uh, 
Well, I already teased about it already. I got a son from the Lord. I got its possession. Which, of course, for the Jewish... Well, never mind. Anyways. Whose possession is he? Whoa, Laura, what is it? Yeah, no, yeah, Laura, yeah, go ahead and say it. Hers, yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of people who, who uh, said, well, they take those words literally, that Cain is <laughs> Eve's possession. And of course, if you live in a family with a domineering mother, you're not going to grow up normal, okay? <laughs> so. But it gets even worse. Is that Abel means nothing... So, in fact, Abel is what? If, if Cain is, uh, is Eve's possession, again, according to this way of thinking, Abel's is nobody's possession. He's been, he's been, he's been like, yeah, ostracized or renounced. Okay. I, 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 think it, I think Eve means, like, hey, I got this guy from, like, Cain is actually the fulfillment of God's promise in chapter 3. God says to Eve, hey, I'm going to give you a son who's going to crush the serpent's head. And Eve's like, well, hey, because, you know, there hasn't been a lot of babies born yet, so this whole phenomenon of childbirth is new. Holy smokes, I got a guy. I got a... I just got a quarter because I'm going to start quoting the... What, is, what does she say again? <laughs> I keep on saying, I got a man. Gotten a man. It's not salt and pepper, though, right? I got a man. Is, is it salt and pepper? Uh, Marilyn, do you know who, who sang that song, I got a man? No, okay. I just, I'm going to go back to Karen and say, Karen, you know, uh, you're worried about Cain being, being uh, who's married. I'm worried about, I got a man from the mid-1990s. Maybe you should be teaching Karen, because obviously I'm, this class is coming off the rails here. So, um, so Cain says, I got a man, or uh, Eve says, I got a man from the Lord, and she thinks that this is the gift that God has promised her. So there's great joy and anticipation. Of course, if that is the promised one, then whoever comes second is, who cares? All right, Alex, question, um, or comment. In 25, then it says um, that she, uh, Eve says, God has appointed for me another child instead of Abel. So does that kind of point that it was Abel that was? Okay, this is very good. Yeah, right. So, uh, well, let's hang on to that comment. Marilyn, what were you going to ask or say earlier? Sorry. You asked her this. No. Salt and pepper? <laughs> oh. <laughs> what is it? What is it? <laughs> yeah, okay, so the promised one. Yeah, right now. Okay, so Alex, I don't know if you guys heard it, but uh, at the end of chapter four, that's why we read it, rather than we skipped all those weird names, um, is... Uh, Eve says, hey, there's this other one coming to replace Abel. So uh, whether 
you know, we all kind of think uh, in our own kind of 21st century perspective that, you know, hey, the kids are playing downstairs, you know, mom and dad, or dad's out in the garage, mom's doing whatever. Um, well, there's very good reason maybe this fan, they're all together. So the fact that God has, uh, you know, shown his face on uh, Abel's sacrifice, you've probably have seen this. So now that Abel has been murdered, and Cain has been sent away, who's going to save them? Who's going to fulfill that promise that God? And so Seth comes along and replaces, not Cain, but Abel's bloodline. Uh, Not replaces, but uh, um, uh, 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 restores it. Okay. Uh, Seth means like take the place of, or appointed, thank you. Okay, um, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, Cain and Abel, so the names. So, so Cain, possession, uh, but the word Abel means nothing and it's very passive. Now the thing in the story though, does Abel, is Abel actually referenced as Abel or is his main uh, referent, is, is it something else? When God talks about Abel, how does he talk about Abel? His brother. So Cain and God, this story is really about Cain and God. Abel is an afterthought and one that is not prominent. He's the passive one. He's the one who's in second place. Okay, that means something then, right? I mean, this is, this is good news for us, actually. The thing is, though, is that Abel doesn't actually speak in the story we don't hear what he says. But when does he actually speak? When he's dead. Yeah, when he's dead. Abel's blood is crying out. And the word crying out is like the same word for like when Israel cries out to God for salvation. Um, so Abel, I mean, he, he doesn't even get a word in until he's dead. So you can't you can't stress how much that Abel is a nothing in the story. And in fact, if Abel is a nothing, what does it mean to kill a nothing? Think about it from Cain's perspective. This guy is a nothing. Who cares if I kill a nothing? Bam, exactly. So he's not nothing to God, though, is he? And not only is he important to God as the chosen one, but God tells Cain how he's important to him. Where's your brother? What Cain doesn't understand is that life is not just about him, but about the restoration of the community that God originally created, the family. And Cain has actually destroyed it. So, um, okay, Rich. Right. Okay, this is great. Why? Why? This is a good question. Who is in? Who is leading? Or you could even say, who is in control of Cain? Satan's driving this. This goes back to the whole point of we have no enemies in the world but Satan himself. 
Satan is the one who's doing, not that, I mean, uh, Cain is participating in the life of Satan and doing what Satan can do, what, what he wants to do. Um, the other thing, too, is that, well, we don't find this out in the first three chapters of Genesis, but w- w- Satan, uh, where does Satan come from? He was an angel. And, but how did he become, you know, the devil? He fell. How did he fall, though? What did he want? He wanted to be God. He was jealous of God. Who else is jealous in this story? Or who else is maybe you could speculate is following in the footsteps? Is Cain himself. Exactly. So, so rich. Great, great observation. And that is so good because... People make a big point of this. To really demonstrate how Cain and Abel in this story, there is a cosmic battle going on that has already started in the Garden of Eden. And the outcome of this cosmic battle is huge. Again, it's not just going home feeling bad about myself and you know, you know, not talking to my friends. You know, sometimes when we think about breaking communion with our family, we just kind of we're still family, but you know, I just we don't maybe we just exchange cards at Christmas rather than talk on the phone a lot. God raises this break in communion to the ultimate reality, and that's murder, complete violence. Yeah, David. I was um, just, uh, just noting, uh, I don't see that anywhere in this particular passage is it noted that the murder was. Right. Now, people have always, yeah, so uh, is it premeditated? Is it reactionary? Some people have interpreted Cain's talking to Abel as a sign of premeditation. I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, the fact that he went out to the field together also was a sign that, you know, hey, Cain, come on, I mean, uh, hey, Abel, come on with me. That's the way people interpreted those verses. They went out together. Well, Maybe, maybe they did go out together to that Cain on some level. I think that would make a great book or movie of a story where uh, Cain is now this internal struggle happening. He, he wants what Abel has, but he wants it because of his own work, not because of divine favor. And maybe there's still this part where he's like, hey, let's go out to the field and let's sacrifice together. You're going to show me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... But in the moment, he can't take it, and he kills Abel with the very thing that he was going to kill the sacrifice with, or maybe he premeditated it. I was going to suggest that the possibility, and this is just speculation, that what Cain did, he he did not realize that it would kill his brother. He was simply following Satan's instructions. Right. Now, this is a great thing, because how does God respond to Cain's murder? With divine judgment or divine mercy? Yeah, his judgment is merciful. All right. So, again, um, so if Cain is under the influence of the devil, when God puts his mark on him, what is God doing? Now, of course, on the pages it says, hey, he's got some mark on him that people will look and say, whoa, 
better not kill that guy. But whose mark is it? God's mark. So, Cain murdered the chosen one, and he's not sent out into the hinterland. Well, he is sent out wandering, but is God far from Cain? No, I mean, this is, he is and he isn't, right? I mean, fundamentally he's not because he bears this mark. This is a very, very uh, kind of uh, powerful image for us, is that for us sinners who have murdered his son, he still gives us the mark. The other thing, too, is that he goes, hey, you're going to be a wanderer. So he has no place to put his head. Who also went around wandering and had no place to lie his head? Jesus. So Jesus in this story is on multiple levels. He is in Abel. He is in the one who was innocently murdered. He is, uh, he, he is also the one who was God, but yet considered himself to be nothing. Philippians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 or 8 or something. That's one of the even chapters in 2 Corinthians. Um, though, uh, though we have nothing, we have everything. Abel, who was nothing, was everything. Um, so Jesus is in the story in, in Abel. He's in, actually in Cain. Uh, which goes against, though, some of the New Testament. So, you know, we should struggle with that a little bit. <laughs> um, and then, of course, he's in, in Seth, right? Because he, he's the appointed one. Seth is the appointed one. Christ, of course, was the, the appointed one. Um, is there a question? Betsy. Well, J- Betsy and George. Betsy. Deaconess Betsy. Right. So that kind of goes against your point. Well, yeah, the word well. That means like, hey, you know, I, uh, I bake my cake, right? It's not dry. It's moist. I, I did it well. Perfect. Uh, here, well is in uh, the same sense as when God pronounces the creation good. Yeah. So he's doing well is that he is... He is doing what God has asked him to do. Now, the thing is, is that this is kind of a law-gospel dynamic, right? I'm sure Pastor Ruzik's talked to you about this before, right? So, um, if God tells me to do something, I can see that as the law, a huge burden on me. Oh, man. Or I can say, oh, hey, great, fantastic. Like when my wife, who has left the room, so I can say this. You know, when she says, kiss me, baby. I, I'm, not, I'm not the first one to say this, right? You've heard this before, right? Is that law or gospel? It's always gospel. <laughs> so, um, so when God is approaching Cain to do this, it's under that. It's like God saying, hey, kiss me, baby. So, speak of the devil who walks in. So... <laughs> So, Betsy, uh, yes, so when God says to Cain to do well, it is, it is, a, is a word of good news, a word of gospel. Now, the other thing, too, though, is, is that we think, 
again, what does Cain have to do? What does Cain have to do? Do we even know? No, we don't. I mean, this is one of the great ambiguities here is that God is giving him the, the out. It's like God saying, it's like Jesus saying, hey, repent and believe. It's that law of gospel. Yes, pastor. Question is also answered in uh, Hebrews 11 because the well is by faith. Perhaps the difference is who is that Cain was doing it by the law. Right. Well, and, and the flip side would be Abel. Like Abel, why was he righteous? And not because of he did the sacrifice well or he was a great guy. It was because he, because of the faith he received from God Himself, the faith in Christ. So this is the other thing: is that. When uh, God says to Cain, do well, he's not giving this instruction in comparison to, hey, Abel did really well, and I accepted his gift. Because, you know, we're Lutherans. We don't believe in works righteousness. We believe in justification. So Abel's, it's grace, pure grace. I I don't know why God favored uh, Abel over Cain, and that's not the point. Because once we found out, we would try to do that, and then, of course, now we're trying to work our way into heaven. Which isn't, that's not good. Don't do that. All right, good, okay. Um, okay, uh, we're gonna, let's, well, okay, uh, let's just finish up. But the thing is, though, is that um, Christ's Christ blood is better than uh, Abel's blood. Why is Christ's blood better than Abel's blood? Based on kind of what we talked about. We, well, he's God's son. So you're, you're, it's, an, it's a qualitative. It's just better. He was a perfect man. Already. That's right. So already. So Seth isn't perfect. Now the thing is, though, can Abel's blood save you? No, right? That's okay. So that goes along with what Wayne just said, it's, it's a better blood. What is Abel's blood saying? And is he saying the same thing as Jesus' blood? Yeah. When Abel cries out, is he saying, this is kind of the essential thing, we don't really know, but is he crying out, Father, forgive, came? Or is he saying, hey, I just got killed by, by Cain. Come and give me justice. Right. So Christ, Christ's blood, also Christ's blood is eternal. It's always speaking forever and ever. Of course, it still speaks today in the body and blood that we receive on the altar. continues to speak forgiveness. So when Christ speaks on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, and they, he spills his blood, he is now of all time so he's revealed our violence, and he has said, I forgive you for it. And he's un, he's, there's no more power in it anymore. And we find that in Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, when John sees the lamb that has been slain from the foundation of the world. Jim. Oh, you mean uh, Satan? Satan, no. Abel, he's beginning that process because, you know, I'm intrigued by the fact that 
Well, he did and he didn't, right, yeah. So, like, the, the evil is fu fundamentally uh, the evil one. So he's following Cain, uh, Satan. So he knew that following Satan's evil is the evil one, the one that's crouching at your door. Um, and he knew that was bad, yes, because that's what was revealed in, in Genesis chapter 3. And you presume that Adam and Eve are good parents, and they, they taught his son that. Which would have been a little strange, you know, hey... You know, you're worried about your neighbors, but Satan's like, lives at your door. Oof. Holly. Um, just back to Jesus' blood poured out. Yeah, right. I hadn't noticed or thought much about it, but it says that the ground received Abel's blood. Right. Like, I don't know, in comparison between us receiving God's first creation was earth. I don't, I don't know. Sounds good. I don't know. I don't know. I do not know. No. Um, yes, Laura. Can I go back to John? Yeah. Okay. Oh, about the wives. Yeah. yeah this is perfect. Because we've we're got to finish up. So. Last week, um, I went out of here with stuff that I had never thought before. Yeah. I wondered the same thing all my life growing up and stuff. Um, in chapter 1, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion. So there were more than one. Mm -hmm. um, and it said, So God um, created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. So that's in chapter 1. Mm -hmm. But then we don't have a body until chapter 2 when he takes the dust of the ground and created man as the body. Didn't, didn't Pastor Bukes already cover this? No, I'm just saying because uh, um, that's a whole other class right there. Uh, there, is, there, there. Obviously, there were some women around that he could marry. That's that's all I'm going to say. I probably his sisters again. We're not we're not freaked out by that because even though it's kind of creepy in our day, maybe that wasn't creepy back then. Depends on yeah. Well, how how many children did Adam and Eve have? Well, there you go. That's your homework for the week. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.